Where are you shooting on yourself when it comes to marketing? With marketing, you have so many different options and every marketing expert has their own opinion or proven formula for what works. But how do you know what marketing strategy is right for you and when you just need to let something go? So today I am seeking to answer those questions with my guest, Amanda McKinney. She is a recognized thought leader and a coach on accidental entrepreneurship, author of Why Not You? An Accidental Entrepreneur's Guide to Success, and the host of the Unapologetic Entrepreneur podcast. As a coach, she can help any accidental entrepreneur navigate self-doubt so that they can take action and uncover their confidence through utilizing her You Promise framework. She shared with us how she approaches doing less but better marketing, reveals one of her biggest marketing flops, and how she pivoted fast to recover. Plus, you'll want to listen all the way to the end because Amanda has two questions that you can ask yourself about your business regularly that will help you make marketing suck less. Enjoy my conversation with Amanda. Get ready for the Rebel Uprising podcast, the only podcast dedicated to business owners who feel overlooked for their expertise, skills, and experience. Let's claim your expertise and turn your complex ideas into unmistakable messaging that grows your business. I am your host, Dr. Michelle Mazur, the author of The Three Word Rebellion and your rebel truth-telling guide to building a business that gets noticed. Amanda, welcome to the podcast. And we have you on a very special day. Do you want to tell us what's happening in your business right now? Oh my gosh, Michelle, thank you so much for having me. And it is so interesting that, you know, we have had this on the calendar for I don't even know how long. It's been a while. Mm -hmm. And as it turns out, my book is officially published the day we're recording this. Like, I'm Woo-hoo! having so much of a day today. So thank you for <laughs> celebrating with me in a special way. Yeah. So how is the book launch going? So we're going to get real, real here. Really real. And I'm having all the feelings. I am excited. Everyone keeps asking me that today. Oh my gosh, you must be so excited. And mm-hmm. there is a sliver of excitement for sure. But it's also accompanied with a lot of feelings of this is a long journey. Like you you said before we hit record, this is a marathon, not a sprint. Yes. You know, and so I'm thinking about that. I'm also thinking, oh my gosh, I've been working on this for a year. I've been thinking about it, thinking in my head, talking about it to myself, to my friends, to my biz besties. Mm -hmm. I'm like almost sick of talking about it, if that makes sense. And no one's heard about it. So it's, it's all of these things. And then of course I'm like, what if people hate it? What if no one buys the book? All of the, Mm -hmm. the things that you would think about and it's been interesting to me how today has been so different for me than any other product in my business product or service Mm. right any i i have not felt like i have today with any launch of anything else other than this book 
Interesting. And by the way, everyone, the book is called Why Not You? It's available wherever you buy books. <laughs> Thank you. But I, I understand it because, the, A, there's a lot of planning that goes into a book launch mm-hmm. and just a lot of details to get it out. And then it's like when you get to the day, it's all planned. So it just has to do its thing. Right. And you just sit there and watch. And yeah. that feels really out of your control. It, You know what? You just had the perfect words for that because it's almost like I think – and maybe I've thought this too about people. So I'm like putting myself on this. Like I have mm-hmm. thought, oh, when someone launches a book, like what a grand day that is. They probably have a party or they have a lot of things happening at their house. Like there's people celebrating them. Just so we're clear, none of that is happening today. <laughs> it, it didn't happen for me either. Like when I launched the Three Word Rebellion, I think my husband and I went out for dinner that night. Yeah. Um, I mean, but. Other than that, it was like, I think I worked with clients that day. Yeah. I mean, I ran some errands already today. I, I'm i like, uh, Michael, my husband, was asking me, what did you do this morning? And I was like, oh, I did my accounting work because it's the 10th of the month. And I do that on the 10th and the 25th. And like, I'm doing all of these things like a normal day. And it, it in my mind, I guess I thought it was going to be a different day. Yeah. I know. It, it's launching a book is a very surreal experience because it's just, it's like the beginning of the marketing and you have to trust like mm-hmm. what you have set up and that right. that is going to work for you. Yes, it really is because we, as people who think about the marketing ahead of time, it's like so much is done ahead of time to save yourself in the, the time of the actual launch, which is fantastic. But there comes this moment of like, I feel like I should be doing something right now, like instead of going to the grocery store. Yes. Well, and speaking of all of the shoulds, (laughs) thank you for giving me that perfect segue. One of the things I wanted to chat with you about, because you and I had so much synergy around like how we approach marketing and how we help our clients approach marketing. Um, how, what are the most common ways you see people overcomplicating marketing mm-hmm. and how are they shooting on themselves? Yes, this is such a big one and we all do it. So yeah. as everyone has just heard me talking about what should be happening on my book launch day, right? I had all these mm-hmm. things in my mind about what should be happening. It's because we're comparing ourselves to other people and what we think is happening, not even probably mm-hmm. reality of yeah. what's happening. Like I'm looking at all these people who, you know, end up on the New York Times bestseller list. Like that's not realistic for Amanda today and that's okay. But mm-hmm. if I got into that comparison trap, I could feel like a failure today in which I don't, by the way, <laughs> I want to be really yeah. clear, but like I could easily fall into that should trap very, very quickly through comparison. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes. And I feel like social media is the mm. perfect environment for that comparison. What do you think? Yeah, I do. You know, I have a love-hate relationship with social. I think social can be so beautiful because if I think about how I've connected with so many different people, mm-hmm. Instagram is a, a big player in that. Some of my big, like my best friends in this entrepreneurial space, we connected on Instagram. And so I believe that we can use social media in a beautiful way. So I don't hate on it all the time. 
Oh my gosh, it is the number one thing of how we can end up comparing ourselves. And so we have to, like I tell my clients all the time and myself of like, if you find yourself envious or almost like, like, why does she have that? Why does he have that? Those types of feelings coming up, mm-hmm. unfollow that person. You can always follow them again once you get through that season. Same thing with an email yeah. list. Get off their email list, but come back later. It doesn't mean that person is bad. It just means something's going on with what they're sharing that you are having a problem with in that moment. Mm-hmm. Yes. I mean, I often tell this story, like I had a whole thing about Donald Miller, the building Mm, the story brand guide guy, because I was like, oh, well, my messaging work can't exist because Donald Miller exists. Uh. And that must mean that I'm not very good because he exists. And it's like, oh, yeah, I had to unsubscribe from everything he was doing, like, and just kind of shut myself off so that I could work on my own mindset and stop being like, oh, I should be like Donald Miller, because I should not be like Donald Miller. Right. He and I are very different human beings. (laughs) Right. And you wouldn't have what you have if you were trying to emulate what he did or was doing at that time. And so it's such a slippery slope. I'm glad you caught it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because it, it was screwing with my head for yeah. a very long time. Um, and the other interesting thing I've been seeing, because I don't know if you've been on threads yet. It's yes. a new Instagram I did app. sign up very quickly because I was like, I got to get my name. Like, that was Mm -hmm. really the biggest thing is I was like, I want to make sure I get my name. And then I was like, oh, my gosh, this thing is so easy. Like, they made it really easy to go over. And so far, it's been easy and fun. But it's so early. It's so early. I know. The one thing I found really interesting is there are these social media experts who are like hey do you all want to know about how like the strategy to use threads for your business and people are like nope yes i saw that i think we i think we're looking at the same thread like pun intended there i was pretty amazed and excited about that because I love, and I think it's so refreshing, at least for the time being, who knows how long it's going to last, that Mm -hmm. it's just almost like fluid thought that you can put on threads. And it's just this conversation. And I'm I'm excited about, like, I've noticed what I'm sharing on threads versus what I'm sharing on Instagram. And it is different. It's more just Mm -hmm. like top of mind stuff. And people get to know the inner workings of Amanda's brain versus Instagram that's more... Not that everything is curated, but it's at least thought out before of like, oh, I'm going to talk about the podcast episode, you know? Yeah. And it's like you're spending all this time in Canva making images and that kind of thing. And yeah, it's nice to be, I call it chaos strategy. Like, it's (laughs) nice to like be yourself. And it's made me realize like how much I was content contorting myself Mm. to be in these like social media best practices of like, you've got to have a hook, have a call to action that tells people to share your stuff. Mm. And I'm like, realizing I'm like, wait, none of that has ever worked for me. Right. So why do I keep doing it? (laughs) Yeah, I'm like, but it was it's just been mind blowing, like all the different ways like I have been shooting on myself. Yeah. And it's so easy to do. Like, one thing I really love that we're talking about is, like, we're talking about this as though, like, 
not even as though it, we're talking about it in real life. Like I'm not perfect and you're not perfect. I think so many people hear something on a podcast. Again, I'm guilty of this and think, oh, mm-hmm. that person's got it figured out. No, we all fall into this. We just have to recognize like you did with Don, Donald Miller and, and following his stuff and, and realizing oh, something, something is off here. I need to hit the pause button. Yes, yes. And sometimes you just, like, you don't realize, like, how you're outsourcing your own agency Mm. and your own self-trust to these supposed experts who are just, I think, in some ways, doing what works for them. But it's always easier to build a social media following around the platform that you're on. Right. (laughs) Instagram experts have huge followings because they're Instagram experts and we think we need their help. So we follow them all. Right. Oh, gosh, that makes a lot of sense. And I love how, like, right now, no one is a threads expert. If someone tells you they're a threads expert, like, oh, they're trying. Red flag, number one. (laughs) Get on out of there, friend. Uh, yes. Well, and, and you know, in thinking about threads, like one of the things I've been telling my clients, it's like, you don't necessarily have to be on there. And in this world, we feel like we should be everywhere. Yeah. Like we should be on all the platforms doing all the things. And I'm curious, like, what are your best practices when you're thinking about doing less but better with your marketing? Mm-hmm. I love that phrase, by the way, less but better. You know, first of all, let's all remember that. Just write that on a post-it note. I know. Hat tip to Greg McGowan in the book, Essentialism, because he talks about do less but better. Oh, yes. I know people can't see this. I'm pointing at it on my (laughs) shelf. I read that book every year because Mm -hmm. it is such a great reminder. And I need it to be like, I have to be reminded of that every single year to focus because we want to do a lot of things. So there's just confirmation there for everyone listening. Like, it's hard for us all to do this. Mm -hmm. It's not an easy thing. Um, So going back to your question, you know, doing less but better is really hard. And I think the first part of it is we have to remember that we don't have to be everywhere, which is a really difficult thing, especially when we feel like we should be everywhere, right? Like we're seeing different people. We're like today, we're talking about threads. Someone's like, oh crap, I've got to sign up for another platform. Like I I know there was someone that listened, right? And Mm -hmm. earned that. Here's the thing. First of all, you don't have to be everywhere. It's actually better to saturate one market than it is to be mediocre in a lot. So that's just a big deal. Um, But I also think we should give ourselves the flexibility to play around. So when you brought up threads, I said, yeah, I got it. I wanted my name. I wanted to secure my name because we've all dealt with that before. Most likely gone to a platform and are like, crap, I can't get my name because someone already Mm -hmm. has it. It's a pain in the butt. So I just sign up for these things in case I want to use them down the road. I'm not committing to a a marriage with threads at this point. (laughs) You know, I'm just signing up and getting my name and, and kind of moving forward. And then the the way in which we can do less but better is to, let's say you want to test threads for a little bit and you look at it and you're already on Instagram and you're, maybe you've, maybe you're on all of them because you feel like you need to be everywhere. Just look mm-hmm. at the data. 
we tend to make emotional decisions based on that should feeling. I'm shooting all over myself, so I feel like I need to be everywhere. The data will not lie. Our emotions will. So look at Mm. the data and see what's actually bringing people to your website, if that's your metric you're looking at, or bringing people to your email list, or bringing people to your client roster. Whatever the data is telling you, double down on what's working and hang tight there. Just let the the other things go. Yeah, I mean, why do you think people are so afraid to look at the data? Oh, you know, I have some guesses. I think there's the I think there's people that are scared of looking at data. Like the numbers mm-hmm. freak them out, a spreadsheet freaks them out like cuz usually, I don't know about you, but I work with someone and they'll tell me very quickly, "I'm not a, a spreadsheet person. I'm not a data person." Like they'll they'll really lead with that pretty quickly. That person mm-hmm. is really just uncomfortable with that the numbers, the technology, and, and that's a real thing. I'm not trying to make light of it. It's just that's where that person is. Then there's other people that are totally okay looking at a spreadsheet or a data if it's good. They're yeah. scared that the data is bad. <laughs> <laughs> no, that is very true. It's like the person who doesn't want to look at their bank balance. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like, absolutely. They'd be fine if there were millions of dollars in there looking at that bank balance. But if there's negative $200, they're not comfortable with the yeah. data. But the reality is we need to see the data. And I say this as much for myself as anyone else. Like, we all get into that that point of like, I don't, I know it's not going to look good. So I really don't want to look at it today. Mm-hmm. But if we can get in the routine of actually whatever that routine is for someone, it could be monthly, it could be quarterly, could be yearly. I'm not sure like what data mm-hmm. point we'd want to look at. But if you get into the routine of looking at it, it becomes part of the routine. And then you can have a checkpoint of, yeah. okay, this is working. I think quarterly is a really good checkpoint. So if you commit yeah, to using Instagram, commit for 90 days, then look at it and see if it worked. Yeah, yeah. And know, like, and yeah, know what you're going to be measuring beforehand. Yes. So then it's, it's not a surprise. Well, and I just think that's one of the things it's like, normalizing failure Mm. and things that don't work and learning from them are something we don't talk about in the industry. Everything is like mm-hmm. hockey stick growth. And oh my gosh, I got a million <laughs> followers yesterday. Right. So with that spirit in mind, can you tell us about one of your marketing flops and what you gosh. learned from it? Which one do I choose, Michelle? <laughs> like, I don't even know. You know, my mind is very much on my book right now. So mm-hmm. there was a massive flop with the pre-sale of my book and specifically oh. with the marketing. And and I've shared this story. I believe I shared it on the podcast. Maybe I didn't. I've definitely shared it with some of my clients and, and people I've worked mm-hmm. with because it was quite an eye-opening experience. So I pre-sold my book in an interesting way. I went through a different, uh, like kind of a hybrid publishing model. And so the pre-sale of my book was one month long and it was in December. So we're recording in July. And so it was six months before the book is actually coming out. Mm -hmm. That I was just not aware of the the complication that that was going to open um, with how a a pre-sale went. 
So I went into this and I thought, I know my audience. They love the community feel. They're going to feel, I want them to feel very included in this. Because if someone pre-orders my book, they're going to learn, they're going to be with me for six months. I'm going to keep them involved with the podcast. Like I'm going to have a private Mm -hmm. podcast feed. Like I really wanted them to feel very, very special. So I really leaned into the message. Let's finish this book together. And my heart was in the right place. Mm-hmm. The marketing message flopped massively. <laughs> it was terrible, Michelle. Like, it was so bad. Within 48 hours, I was like, oh my gosh, this is a massive problem. Because not only were sales really, really low compared to what I thought was going to happen, mm-hmm. I was getting questions from people that said, am I going to have to edit the book, Amanda? Am I going to have to help you write it? Oh. (laughs) And I was like, oh my gosh, I've made a huge mistake. So within 24 hours, I revamped the entire page on my website. I revamped everything, got a new podcast episode out, like really changed things. All the marketing messaging was pre-order your book, pre-order your copy. (laughs) Why I didn't go with that from the beginning, not sure. I tried to get all kinds of fancy and clever and all of the things that I got in my head with. And so Mm -hmm. it went from a massive flop to it turned around very quickly. So the lesson is you can change your messaging. So that's the lesson. Yeah, you can (laughs) tweak it at any time and you can tweak it quickly. Yeah. And and I understand that like intention of because you and I are both community oriented. It's mm-hmm. like, we're in this together. Yeah. I'm doing this with you. And then they're like, wait, am I a beta reader? <laughs> like, um, what am I signing on? up for? Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, oh, no, just just pre-order the book. Thanks. Right. And here's the reasons why you should pre-order the book. Yeah. I could have kept it so much easier and simple. And mm-hmm. but But I think all of that to say... I learned a great lesson in that. And I also think it's important to go with your gut, which my gut was telling me that that's what I wanted to do. I was in that community message. and But the thing is, is that had I just like kind of fallen over and, and failed and been like, oh, wah, wah, it didn't work. Sales would have been low. I wouldn't have learned anything. But because I was like, hold on, something's off. What's going on? These people are confused. Oh, I can just change the messaging. And that 24 hours was stressful to get everything changed that I had in motion for a month. But because I put that effort in, things turned around. And so that, I think that is really the biggest thing of like, we have to be willing to ask, oh shoot, what did I do wrong? Yes. And not look at those questions that you were getting as like, because I think sometimes people take it as like a personal attack. Oh, yeah. like, mm-hmm. oh, they just don't get it. Right. And it's like, yeah, they they just don't <laughs> right. get it. <laughs> because I confuse them. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. it, and I love what you just said. Like, I think, and I think that maybe 2017 version of Amanda who had just started her business maybe would have taken it a little more personally. But mm-hmm. 2022 version was like, oh, shoot, something's wrong. What can I do to fix this? And pivoted way quicker and didn't take it as personally as I could have. So there is that too. 
Yeah, yeah. Because I, I mean, I think anytime when you're like in that launch cycle, or yeah, like you can just pivot on a dime. Mm-hmm. And I know people are like, well, people will notice. And I'm like, no, nobody notices. Right, right. Had I not said anything, no one would have even noticed because they didn't, like only the people that were confused maybe would have noticed, but would have been like, oh, she cleared it up. Yeah, like good for her. <laughs> Yes. All right. I have one final question for you that I am asking everyone as I'm starting to change the podcast name. (laughs) So what is one thing that you're doing to make marketing suck less? Oh, another good phrase. I'm loving this. Making marketing suck less. (laughs) You know, I truly believe and you and I really connected on this that marketing does not have to suck. Um, There's a lot of things in our business that are really hard. I don't think marketing is easy, but I don't think it has to suck. And one of the things that's really been helpful for me in all areas of my business, including marketing, is asking myself two different questions. Mm -hmm. One is what in my business is bringing me joy? And the other is what in my business is bringing me stress? Now, to Mm -hmm. be clear, there's always going to be both. I don't think there's a magical business that is not stressful ever. So I'm not saying that you can make these things go away and only do the joyful things. But by asking those two questions on a regular basis, I can figure out this is what I really like doing and this is what I don't like doing. And that goes for marketing. So let's Mm -hmm. say... I enjoy threads. Maybe I enjoy threads right now, right? And I am like, you know what? I'm going to keep doing that because it's really fun and bringing me joy. What's bringing me stress? Maybe it's TikTok. And it's like, well, I'm going to let that go, you know? (laughs) Yes, yes. Yeah, it's interesting to me because like, there's just certain things that I just feel like a full body no to. And when TikTok came out, I was just like, nope. And then Reels came out and I was like, nope. (laughs) (laughs) And I love that when we can have those experiences of a full yes, a full no. And what a beautiful experience it is. But the reality is there's so much more in the middle of like, mm-hmm. maybe it's okay. I don't know. Maybe I just don't know how to do it yet. I should give it a try. I want to give it a try. I think there's a lot more gray, but when we have those moments of a hell yes, yes or a hell no, like lean into those. Yeah. And it's and it's also that sunk cost fallacy. Yes. Like I see people sticking with marketing strategies that are not mm. bringing them joy, that are stressing right. them out, but they're like, I've been mm-hmm. doing... Instagram for five years, so I should keep doing it. And I'm like, well, if it's not actually getting you results and you hate it, then no, probably not. Yeah. I think you brought up great questions. Like, do you enjoy this? Do you hate it? Right? Is it bringing you results? So, I mean, because there's a lot of combinations that could be happening there. It could be bringing you joy and not bringing you results. And then it's like, well, you could choose to to keep doing it because you're having fun. Or it could be stressing you out and not bringing you results. And you're like, oh, I can let that go. You know? And then you feel free. Right. Like, there's so much beauty in asking these questions and figuring it out. And, And there will be things. There will be tactics. Like, for example, I'm sure you feel the same about this. Email marketing might suck for you, dear listener. It's important. It's really important. <laughs> yes. Like, please, but in, in, the, in those moments where it is important and it sucks for you, like, find a system. 
to help you, mm-hmm. meaning find a process that you can create that makes it easier for you, outsource when you can. Like there's a lot of options there, but like there are th- some things that are important and email marketing is one of them. <laughs> yeah, that that's the one non-negotiable. <laughs> right. I'm, Either that or they have to have a really great CRM. Like, yes. If they are the kind of business that only needs like a handful of clients, sure. then you need a CRM or email marketing. Yes. You have to have those in your business, one or the other. Yes. I fully agree with this. <laughs> I know. Even if you hate it, it's very important. I know. It's just one of those things. It's kind of like accounting in our business, right? Some people might love yeah. that. That's something I had to learn to love. I didn't love it at the beginning. But mm-hmm. I found a process and a system that it's actually way easier for me now. And I love knowing the numbers. So I yeah. went from this sucks to, oh, it's not so bad anymore. Yeah. And that's how people should, I mean, I can never promise that people are going to love marketing, but you might be able to like it incrementally more. I think that's Mm -hmm. the secret. I agree. And when we can find what, what is exciting for us, that's when we can do even a little, like you said, like even Mm -hmm. just a tiny bit of like, oh, that actually wasn't so bad. Yeah. Exactly. So Amanda, tell everyone where they can find you and importantly, where the, where they can purchase your book. Oh my gosh, thank you so much. Well, my website is amandamckinney.com. So everything can be found there. I also have a podcast that you are your episodes going to be released soon. So oh. I don't remember the date right this second, but it will be out soon once this is out. So that's exciting. The podcast yeah. name is The Unapologetic Entrepreneur. And you can buy the book wherever books are sold. So Amazon, bookshop.org, uh, Barnes and Noble, all those places. And you can also get it through the library, which I think is so cool. It's oh, in the awesome. library system. You'll probably have to go to your local library and request it, but it'll be there, which I think is really a neat thing. That is awesome. Well, thank you so much, Amanda, for coming on the podcast and sharing your brilliance with us. I am just so grateful that you were here. Oh, thank you, Michelle, for having me. There are three big things that I want you to take away from this conversation with Amanda. The first is comparison makes you feel like you should be doing more. You can look around at what everybody else is doing in your industry, and somehow it makes you feel inadequate. So you have to trust yourself and realize that you are doing enough. The second takeaway, don't be afraid to look at your numbers because the data, your numbers will let you know what's working and what's not. And even though I know it's uncomfortable, it's important to do because it's going to save you so much time and energy chasing marketing tactics that aren't right for your audience or your business. The final takeaway is that we all have marketing flops. I know what it looks like in the online space, that everything is constant growth and works really well, but failure happens. That's how we learn. It's how we become better at marketing. It's how we evolve our messaging. And it's always possible to recover. And the best part is, No one's really paying attention to when our marketing doesn't work. 
So until next time, here's to making marketing suck less for your business so it is far simpler and maybe incrementally more enjoyable. If the Rebel Uprising podcast is helping you claim and communicate your expertise so that your clients can find and hire you, please share the show with a friend. The easiest way to do that is through Podlink. You can find the show at pod.link slash rebel, and that page will allow anyone you share the show with to subscribe and start listening in their favorite podcast player. That's pod.link slash rebel. The Rebel Uprising podcast is a production of Communication Rebel. Our production coordinator is Jessica Gully Ward of Juggling Logistics. Our sound engineer is Stephen Mills. Rebel Uprising podcast is recorded on the unceded traditional land of the Coast Salish peoples, specifically the first people of Seattle, the Duwamish people, original stewards of the land, past and present.